I just knew that there was a mission that God had made for me and I was the only person that could fulfill that mission. And being comfortable was not going to achieve it. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, the one thing Alexis Meski remembers dreaming about when she was a kid was becoming a mom. But something she had to learn was that most dreams don't come true overnight and that the dreams we have when we are young aren't necessarily going to be what fulfills us in the long term. Alexis struggled with a lot of things that we were, quote, supposed to do early in our lives. She never did well in school, has no idea how she got into college, and was actually asked to to leave college at the end of her third year because her GPA just wasn't up to scratch. The college said she could come back if she got her GPA up, but at the time, Alexis just didn't think she was good at anything, nor did she feel like she had any gifts. So she ended up not going back to college, married her husband, who happens to be one of my closest friends, Zach, and set out to fulfill her dream of being a stay-at-home mom. But her dreams were always getting bigger. She didn't just want to be a stay-at-home mom. She wanted a career of her own. Alexis started blogging about sewing clothes for her girls, and it slowly grew into a business. She was actually asked to apply for Project Runway not once, but twice, which returned a lot of confidence that she had lost at the university. And after she taught for just a day as a substitute teacher, Alexis was inspired to get her four-year teaching degree in just two years. While teaching, Alexis also picked up photography. So now, in addition to teaching and being just an overall general creator, Alexis photographs women that are in business. She says it can be hard to have your picture taken, especially if you're a woman, because women tell themselves false narratives all the time. There's a lot of vulnerability and sometimes shame that comes with being photographed. And Alexis continues to work on herself, too, on a constant mission to push herself out of her comfort zone and to live her life to the fullest. As she so beautifully put it, she wants to suck the marrow out of life. This is a beautiful conversation with one of my closest friends. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Alexis. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Thank you for having me. For those of you who skipped forward through the introduction, like many people do when they listen to podcasts, this is Alexis Albright-Meski. She is one of my oldest friends. uh, And along with her husband, Zach, who is a handsome fellow 
sitting over at their beautiful outdoor kitchen, eating a salad, drinking a margarita. <laughs> and he's laughing. But we are here at their beautiful home, and we're going to talk about your journey, your journey of really becoming who God created you to be, mm-hmm. the process of unbecoming mm-hmm. who you aren't created to be, and all of the trials and travails in between. But since you've never done one of these podcasts before, and, and as people learned in the introduction, that this is going to be the first in a series of interviews I'm going to do with people who are in the process. They're in the trenches. It's going to be centered around the, 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 the four pieces of the key in Master the Key, story, gifts, action, and community. And some of the people I will interview have done podcasts before. They've been guests on things. Others haven't, such as yourself. Mm-hmm. So th- this is a first. Yes, it is. And we're going to start easy. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start easy. So the first question is, what did you dream about being when you were a kid? The only thing that I can remember dreaming about being when I was a kid is to be a mom. And I know that's going to be disappointing for some people to hear or that I wasn't aiming high. But I really envisioned being a mother. And a lot of the dreams that I had for myself and my career came later in my life. What about motherhood? And I love that you said that because that's actually Lisa's one of mm-hmm. my, as you are your friend, my wife, Lisa's mm-hmm. number one goal is to be a great mom. It's mm-hmm. been, it was her aspiration. Actually, her aspiration was to be a great businesswoman. And then it, it kind of transitioned mm-hmm. into her being a great mom, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's interesting, but. We, I know your mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've known a lot of the same women growing up as a result of knowing each other for right. so long. I forget. When, when did you move here from Long Beach to Santa Cruz? How old were you? I was uh, seven years old. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've actually known you longer than I've known Lisa. Wow. And, and so, yeah, that's a really long time. It is. And we used to throw rocks at each other and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, which we won't go there. Like we real friends go, do. Like real friends do. But... We were surrounded by a lot of the same influential women. Yes. What was it about the women that, that we were surrounded by that inspired you to be a great mom? Or, or was that just an innate thing that you had? It's hard to articulate what they, what they did because it was really about their daily actions. Like if I'm trying to tell you what they did that I thought made me want to be a great mom... I'm not sure that I can articulate that beyond the fact that they just were like the essence, like the daily stuff, the normal things, like the hard work that went into things, um, the struggles. Like, and it's not that I was attracted to that. It just, I, I just feel like that was, it was a mission that was instilled in me because of just who I saw them being. Mm. And it wasn't one thing in particular or one thing that they did well or anything like that. It was just the, the example of their motherhood, I guess. What is one thing that you remember from any of the women that you were surrounded by? Maybe it was your mother, mm-hmm. maybe it was your grandmothers, mm-hmm. Kathy, any of the women that we were surrounded by growing up that you carry forward, that you that's part of your legacy, that's kind of like a through line in what you're trying to instill in your three girls. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I would say is my, my grandma, 
I'm not normally allowed to say how old she is, but I feel like for the sake of this, I need to say yeah, how old yeah, she is. You do. Yeah. She's 101 years old. She lives on her own. She travels still. She does everything on her own. She looks like she's 80. Yeah, she's amazing. Maybe. She drives a sports car around. She recently got a speeding ticket for that, yeah. that, that age. <laughs> um, but one of the things that my grandma has taught me is to never stop learning. And she's always seeking to do new things and to be better at new things and to be the best at something new that she's trying. She'll pick up new hobbies. She will join a new health trend, you know, that I'm like, how does she even know about <laughs> this thing? And, and she, she's just constantly learning and trying new things and always pushing herself to be the best that she can be because she's just so interested in it. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing that is really important to me to show my girls is to stay curious and to always be learning and to always try to be the best that you can be. Mm-hmm. I love that you said that. And uh, Lisa wrote, recently wrote me a, a card saying that the most important thing that I'm doing right now is is pursuing my dreams and, and allowing my kids to see that. Yes. And, so important. And that it's okay to do that. Right? Absolutely. It's okay to dream. And, and we've given up on that a, mm. a lot as a society because there, cause, cause there's risk there, right? And, right. And we might fail. Well, I think that um, if I can speak for myself... You can speak one for of, me too. Okay. <laughs> um, one of the biggest things that I have learned um, is to get out of my safe zone um, and how frightening that is, um, not just in regards to a financial risk, but in regards to comfort. But that's what I want my girls to see is that still now, I'm in my last week of my 30s, I turned 40 in one week, is that I'm still pushing hard to try new things and to be uncomfortable with that because the last however many years of my life, I just wanted to be comfortable mm-hmm. because of being so uncomfortable, which I, I might touch on later, but I don't want to just be comfortable anymore. I want to be risky and push myself to do, the, to do things that I didn't know existed for me. Let's, we, we may or may not touch on the comfort thing later, so let's go there now okay. um, since you brought it up. What is... But before we do, I actually want to tell you a funny story about your grandmother... Grandma Albright. Okay. Also, before I tell you the story, I did not know that she was a freaking ridiculously ta- talented artist. You didn't? No. It's amazing. I just saw the picture you posted on Instagram of, I'm mean, like, what? After she had four kids, she decided that she could probably be a painter too and decided to get into painting. I mean, that's where you get mm-hmm. your piss and vinegar from. You know, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean. She, I know. She's, she's amazing. So the funny story about Grandma Albright, this is, this is like now 15 years ago. So she was only, uh, she was 101. So quick math, what's that? Whatever, you know. She, she was still uh, younger, but elderly, right? Mm-hmm. And I was at, uh, like you do when you first enter business, you join Rotary to network, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the 7 a.m. It was called the Sunrise Rotary Club. And it was the 7 a.m. Breakfast Club. And I got there at like you had to get there at like 6:45 blah 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 so i park and who comes zipping in next to me in a little blue sports car lexus sports car none other than your grandmother and she comes ripping out of that of that car throws open her trunk throws a bag of golf clubs over her shoulder and just starts going off and i wave at her i'm like Hey, Grandma Albright. She's like, "Hey, late for a tea time," you know. I <laughs> that's mean, about that sounds about right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just so funny. So, going back to the whole idea of 
of comfort mm-hmm. versus being uncomfortable. And I love how you, how you teed that up because the reality is everyone wants to feel confident, right? right. You want to feel confident. Absolutely. I want to feel confident. Everyone listening to this wants to feel confident. But what, they, what we, all of us, often confuse confidence with is comfort. When we think about confidence, what we're actually thinking about is, I want to feel comfortable doing X. Yes. When you are engaged in the process of gaining confidence in something, mm-hmm. you will never be comfortable because it actually defies the meaning of the word. The meaning of the word means with faith. Mm-hmm. So there's no, you know, there's no comfort when you're pursuing something that is pushing your edge. So take us to the point where, you know, you were feeling pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. And what was it? What were the triggers that were like, you know, I need to, I need to pursue the edge? I guess I have to take you back a little bit. So I was not a successful child by any means. I did poorly in school the entirety of my school career. I don't have any idea how I got into college. I somehow did, but that didn't last long. I actually got kicked out of school my third year, the end of my third year. I was asked to leave. And if I got my GPF, I can come back. I was over it. I just didn't think I was good at anything. And by no fault of my parents or teachers, it was just me. I just didn't think I had any gifts. I didn't think that um, I was good at anything. So long story, I ended up not going back to college. Zach and I got married. I got to fulfill my dream of being a stay-at-home mom. And I was so happy to do that. And then one day... Kevin and I crashed your marriage pad yeah. often to play video games during the early days of your marriage. It really marriage. was one of the greatest strains of our marriage that first year. <laughs> just so you know. Um, we love you. Thank you. I got into sewing clothes for the girls, mainly because we were poor. And I didn't... I was really wanting different things. And I thought this was still when fabric markup wasn't as high. And so it was still affordable to buy fabric and make things. Anybody that sews now knows that it's, it's cheaper to buy, to buy clothes. But um, I got into sewing items for them. I ended up starting to design and sew clothes for myself. And it turned into a business. And I was blogging when blogging wasn't really a thing. I was totally picking up. I was selling things in the area. I was looking into manufacturing. Um, I was asked to apply for Project Runway twice. And sewing finally gave me confidence that I was good at something and that People were seeing something that I was good at too. And I finally started to grow into, I think, my womanhood during those years that I finally felt like I had some kind of value. And then things were, again, really picking up. And one day I went up to the girls' school to substitute teach. I, had used, I used to be a teacher's aide. I went to substitute. And at the end of the day, I knew without a doubt that I needed to be a teacher. I, I just... I had to be a teacher. So I dropped the sewing. And remember, I didn't have my bachelor's. So I found a program that I could get my bachelor's in teaching credential. It was a four-year program. I still had the girls at home with me. So I wanted... And I really wanted to keep them at home with me. But I was so passionate about it and so excited that I finished a four-year program in two years while staying at home with my girls. And the day that my baby went to kindergarten was the day I started my student teaching. And through that, 
I picked up photography. That was, I needed to start photographing all of my own clothes. And even though I dropped the design, because I, I knew I couldn't do everything. And it was, it was, I just knew that it was the right thing. I kept the photography. So I finally felt good at something. And when I went to teaching, I, I love teaching and I, I'm a good teacher. I, and be, mainly because I work really hard just to do a good job during the day. I'm probably not great at any of those things, but I work to do a good job. So I felt confident in those things. And I felt comfortable. I felt like finally, here's my thing, right? And I'm just going to keep on this track to doing my thing because I feel confident and I'm comfortable finally. And really, I'd say it's within the last year that I had this tug for more. I felt like God made me for more. And I didn't know what specifically that was. I didn't know which of the avenues or if it was an entirely brand new thing that I was going to add. But I just knew that there was a mission that God had made for me. And I was the only person that could fulfill that mission. And being comfortable was not going to achieve it. Yeah. And I just started getting excited and enthusiastic and passionate and interested in business and things that I hadn't been before. And so it was, it really started as a small tug and, a, and then an openness mm -hmm. to what God might be calling me to. We're going to unpack all of that a little bit more as we progress through the different pieces of the key because they all lead into one another. And one of the things that, that you just said that, uh, that it really resonated with me is the idea of like, you felt good at something yes. and, and there's nothing wrong with feeling good or having a desire to feel good or having a desire to feel comfortable or, or super successful. But it's when our identity gets attached to those things that it becomes dangerous. Mm -hmm. And there's this Olympic athlete named Eli Bremer. I talk about him often. He's a past guest on the show. And he was talking about his journey. He's a pentathlete. So he competes in five different sports. And he's not, he's not an athlete any longer. But we were talking about the process of winning. And he said, you have to stop focusing on winning and start focusing on being good mm -hmm. because you can win on accident, but you can only be good on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so if you take that same approach to what you just described as your, as your approach to teaching, like the wrong, the less efficient thing to focus on, the less, lesser good or whatever, you're a teacher, you can, you're a literature teacher mm -hmm. too, you can give me the right word, come on. The less beautiful thing to focus on is the idea of being a great teacher. Mm -hmm. But because we can become obsessed with that and because who defines what greatness is, mm -hmm. right? But if we focus on the process of being good, then the outcome will take care of itself. Right. I want to go into the, the first piece of the key. So the first piece of the key is story. And, and so much of our world, we were just, I just mentioned the word identity, right? So so much of our world is wrapped up in the pursuit of wealth, of status, achievement. And many of us, myself included, attach their value to the realization of those things. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a world-class photographer. A mother, right? Like we attach our value to X, right? You have struggled with these things personally as you, mm -hmm. as you just shared. So in the book, Steve nearly actually loses his life because he was 
attached to these things. They defined him. That's what he lived for, right? The pursuit of all of those things. And the wake-up call was him nearly dying, and he had to change his outlook in every area of life, beginning with his self-narrative. And one of the beautiful experiences that Steve goes through with the janitor to teach him the idea of looking at your adversity, your challenges in a different way is in the wine cellar where he talks to Steve about the process of making wine. And folks, we are drinking delicious wine right now. And I would love for you to talk about a moment or moments where you have now in this more empowered, awakened, aware, conscious living, where you've been empowered to look at adversity and see it for its fruit and not for its shadow and how you're carrying it forward to serve others. So I think that my greatest challenge with adversity right now is something that comes back to comfort, which is being willing push myself out there and to hear no sometimes and to not be confident all the time because I'm so thankful to be in the place that I was, you know, after not feeling good at something, being in an uncomfortable, sometimes the the inexperienced one in the room, the one that, you know, doesn't need to have all the answers or know everything for the, for the, you know, question the one that isn't the best fit for certain things, that's really hard for me. Mm. Um, Because usually I push myself in different scenarios to make sure I am the most, you know, fill in the blank. But I'm really finding value in the learning experiences that are happening because I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone and accepting that that's where real growth is going to happen and making myself, I mean, here's my, my deepest thing the most vulnerable that I can be. That's really, really hard for me. What scares you about that? Um, not being good enough for a certain situation, a certain job requirement, client, friend, anything. It, that's, it's really hard for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to be the most vulnerable I can so I can be the most authentic that I can be. That's so important to me in this quest, in my own journey, is to be the most authentic self, to be constantly growing and constantly answering the Lord's call for my life. But that takes a lot of vulnerability. And that's a hard one for me. Mm -hmm. So I really try to practice that daily, being vulnerable with certain people, students, um, my new clients, you know, is being vulnerable myself with my friends or family to practice that and to be okay being uncomfortable with it. Yeah. My friends, if you have not picked up a copy of Master the Key, I want to encourage you to hit pause, head over to Amazon, buy a copy or two of Master the Key, a story to free your potential, find meaning and live life on purpose. And don't just take my word for it that it is a transformational book. Take the word of all of the 64 people that have reviewed it thus far on Amazon and the many others who have reviewed it on 
on Facebook doing Facebook Lives and such. Here's a review from Sarah. She says, it's an amazing read, thoroughly enjoyable. The characters have so much to teach about living with joy and meeting your full potential. And Mike Flynn has left some great reflection questions so you can consider how to apply what you've learned and live your own life full out. Thank you so much, Sarah, for that incredible review. Now hit pause, head over to Amazon, pick yourself up a copy or two of Master the Key for yourself, for a friend, colleague, family member. And now back to the show. You have communicated a beautiful ownership of your of your story, right? Of the the challenges that you had coming up, being educated and then becoming an educator in the midst of all these mm-hmm. things and and discovering these gifts and talents. And that's through the power of reflection and, and sharing your story with other people and your struggles. But you also have the ability to reflect on who you want to become. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that happens internally in our own self-dialogue. That we, men and women both experience about sixty to 80,000 thoughts per day. And men only vocalize 7,000 of those. Right. Zach, probably four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I may be 10, mm-hmm. you know, yes. I'm a little above average, you know. <laughs> and then, but women, 20,000. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, there's still a huge difference between what we think and what we actually breathe life to. Mm-hmm. So most of that says, stays in the quiet of our mind, which is a very dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. So when you think about this question, how would you like to perceive yourself? What are some thoughts that come to mind about your story? I would like to perceive myself as somebody that has an open heart and open arms to those people around me. I would like to be a place of strength or comfort, depending on the need, when I can to my students, to my family, to my clients. And I want to be somebody that has a heart wide open to listen to what God is calling me to do. Mm-hmm. So I think openness. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that's not my default. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's really what I work for and, and hope that I'm continually evolving into. So interesting that you say that because I, I was thinking and talking. I've been talking about the idea of love a lot with people. Lately, and, and the paradox of love, and how the world right now just wants to focus on the beautiful part of love, like the, the mushy gushy, it feels good kind of love, right? But the love that real love involves sacrifice, right? right? Involves dying to self, right? right? Involves, yeah, it's okay to have a desire, to have mm-hmm. a desire, to have a, to want to accomplish something, but giving it away, giving, giving it back to, in our case, because we both share the same faith, giving that desire back to God to use it in his service. And it's the same thing. And we can carry that forward to how we serve others, mm-hmm. how we, we embrace other people. And there was this priest named Father John Warburton. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember yep. him, but he gave a homily once. And he said that the problem with love is that everyone wants to be loved first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a universal problem. So it's not just an Alexis problem that, that there's a challenge of being open because, right. because by being open, uh, the very, the very, the, if you're 
thinking about it as an image, the, the being open requires being vulnerable. It requires mm-hmm. get, potentially getting hurt, disappointed, having your dreams crushed, having somebody tell you no. Mm-hmm. And we've all experienced that. But the powerful thing is when we recognize that how we respond to it is a total free will decision, right? It's a total right. opportunity for us, for you, for me, for everybody listening to take that challenge, that disappointment, that adversity and turn it into something. Nothing ever could go to waste if, mm-hmm. we, if we allow it. You are an incredibly gifted person and I want to talk about the, the gift piece because from my point of view, the idea of giftedness actually is synonymous with purpose, mm. right? I actually think that, that when people think about what my purpose is, they, they're actually asking what are my gifts because the purpose of anything is to facilitate something, which is to give something. And so gifts are to be given, right? So we get, we, we, I, I believe that we all have the same core purpose which is to give, right? The way that we express that might be different. Absolutely. Teaching, photography, creating beautiful garments. Your sister, Claire, beautiful graphic design. Nick, her husband, incredible doctor. Me, the multi-things that I do, right? Zach, holy smokes, we're sitting in a beautiful house that he created, Mm -hmm. he built from the ground up. I mean, all of that stuff, right? All of those things are giving something and the expression of them are all different, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. But the same core thing is, is, is the same. So you've always been this creative person. It's been dormant though. And, and I was reflecting about this in advance of our conversation. You said in the last two years, but I, I actually think it's, you, you had this period that you mentioned before where you were super creative mm-hmm. by accident almost. Right. And then it went like dormant again because you were in the pursuit of the education thing, which I actually didn't, didn't, I didn't connect that. So Mm. thanks for filling in the blanks. And now it's like this resurgence. Yes. And why now? Why now? Well, I've kept my photography work over the years um, with Teach You and I was mainly doing family photography and I enjoyed it, but I never pursued it. It was just referrals and people that I knew and, you know, repeat clients. And to be honest, when I was feeling that tug for more, I had this idea that, well, I could kind of practice some of these skills and this like putting myself out there and be willing to hear no, things that made me uncomfortable with my photography business. I said, well, what if I start actually marketing myself and, and you know doing things and pursuing it? Even though I liked the photography. I didn't feel this like deep passion for taking my photography to the next level. It was almost a practice of the skills that I had this kind of like business that I could put it into. And it's a great example of the way the Lord uses things in in ways that you don't know. Because as soon as I started doing that, it just became on fire for me. I started by accident working with some women that were um, in business and pursuing their brand or their service or their message. And I just became kind of obsessed with photographing these women who had their own journeys and were so vulnerable in front of my camera. And 
it's so hard to have your pictures taken, especially if you're a woman, because we tell ourselves false narratives all the time. Um, how many times women do you, we say to ourselves, I don't like pictures of myself. I can't stand taking this picture. Or we make someone show us their picture after they take it to make sure it's okay to post. We we understand specifically women that that vulnerability and and sometimes shame that comes with photographs. And I just saw myself in the women that I was taking pictures of it, and, and my vulnerability in a different way, but they were so raw and real. And, and it helped me open my own heart and share with them. And we were in this, like in this communion almost mm-hmm. like as I was photographing them, we were on this experience and on this journey. And I just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's teaching me so much about myself and helping me grow into the woman that I know I'm meant to be. And then through that, um, I get to help them on their journey mm-hmm. and develop different ways to help consult them, to help them feel more free with sharing, sharing themselves with their own audience and to be more confident in their own brand or whether that's like, you know, something, a product their service, or sometimes women are just sharing their message now. And that's an important Mm. way that they're doing branding. So that's why it's kind of an accident. And now it's like the best accident ever. What brings you joy? What brings you, Alexis, joy about sharing your gifts with others? What brings me joy about sharing my gifts with others? It oftentimes doesn't feel like sharing your gifts, does it? I don't know. Like when I'm photographing women, I don't feel like I'm sharing my gift, I feel like I'm just connecting with them. And it's the connection that brings me joy because it's mutual, at least for the clients that I've had so far. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> um, I, love, I love the way that you answered that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm do. I don't, I really don't feel like I'm giving a service mm-hmm. at all. I feel like we're just, I, I tell my clients this and it turns out to be true. I think, I, I think all the time. It just feels like we're hanging out together. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not that I'm not just taking their pictures. That we're just hanging out as girlfriends and like having a great time. Do, and, you, do you remember the the character Chaz Cho in the book, yeah. The Violent Player? Yeah. So people have to go read this, but read the book in order to 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 see what Alexis just said. That proves the point mm-hmm. of of the character Chaz Cho. The lesson that she teaches Steve that. Even though Alexis is a gifted photographer, she doesn't feel like her photography is the gift that she's sharing with others. And that is a next level realization Mm -hmm. because it frees you. Yes. How have you felt free by that? I'm not in it for the creativity. I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the connection. I mean, I get to choose who I work with. I don't have to say yes to everybody. And if it's a woman that I feel like I'm going to have a good connection with and that I get to see their journey, they're sharing their journey with me. They're sharing their vulnerability. It's just an experience. Mm-hmm. And that's freeing. Mm-hmm. I'm not bound to this for my um, livelihood. There's no reason that I need to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Zero. Mm-hmm. you know, Except that I get to experience these hours with these wonderful women who are letting me in on their own journey. 
Are you kind of just out of curiosity, are you moving in that women only kind of niche? No, it just happens to be women. Okay. All right. (laughs) Um, And I don't think that men in general share the same concerns that women do with photography Mm -hmm. and their business. I think that often men are much more confident and have been trained to not apologize or to not hold back in a lot of ways. And I think that women by nature oftentimes do. And that's more... So I do the photography, but there's... I do... we There's like a consultation before where we talk and share and then I plan their photography mm-hmm. portfolio. Mm-hmm. Like it's... I don't... I have not yet worked with anybody where they're like, this is what I want for my photos. Meet you here. Yeah. You know, and I'm hired. Like we meet... I have to like kind of decipher and sift through, through things I re-articulate their journey to them and say it in a way that sometimes is new. Sometimes when you just share something and somebody else re-articulates back to you, well, this is what I hear. This is what I hear that you want to do. How can we represent you and this mission through photography? And um, that's why I think that I'm different than a lot of photographers. So, yeah. Well, I, I actually... I just want to call something out right now that I think most men are pretenders. I'm I'm sure. Okay. I think that men are incredibly I, unless you're like a, a movie star or like whatever, most most men put up a huge front. I have, you know, speaking from personal experience, I've had, you know, some personal branding photography done. And it's an awkward kind of an yeah. experience, right? And so if you have the opportunity to to work with men, which I'm sure you will at some point, myself included, yes. you know push them like because men are also used to being pushed right right so don't like use your femininity femininity to push them beyond beyond what they think they're capable of because that that's that those two dynamic things are yeah i'm interested in my first male client that'll be that will be interesting it probably shouldn't be me okay uh (laughs) like because i think that would be too easy i I mean we've known well maybe not i don't know maybe we'll figure it out Yeah, yeah yeah Still with gifts, one of the things that you you talked about is is sharing your gifts, right? It is is mm-hmm. the joy that it brings you of sharing the connection of of building those relationships, and and at the same time, you also mentioned a great deal of discomfort. Let's even call it fear mm-hmm. at doing all of that, right? So fear is is a major inhibitor for most people from pursuing their giftedness, from sharing their story, their message, from starting X, Y, or Z. So how do you prevent fear from dictating what you're capable of or, or the path that you should pursue? And, and we'll take money off the table for a second because money yeah. is, is, is a great, yes. is a big time fear thing. But, and, that, and that's not part of the equation right now. But let's, let's talk about the emotional risk because I actually mm-hmm. think that People make money an excuse, but really they're they're emotionally fearful. I think that I I would say that one of my qualities is doing things that are hard, which was only born out of the fact that I didn't do hard things for so many years. And now I'm just so grateful to be doing hard things. And I think that I can identify a fear, but I'm kind of obsessed with becoming a better person constantly. And so if I know something is hard and I need to do it, I'm going to find a way to practice it. So like I told you, putting myself out there with the photography stuff or being willing to not be the best at something 
if I know and can identify this, this is going to be hard and I'm going to be afraid, I will actively make a choice to do it mm-hmm. to push me out of that. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, comes in prayer, like, because that takes reflection, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not a momentarily react, a moment, momentary reaction. Mm-hmm. I have to think about something. And if I know that it's going to make me feel uncomfortable or fearful, I will now actively make the choice to do that in, in the right kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So. What is something that is not related to teaching, mm-hmm. is not related to f- photography or any, any of the creative pursuits that you're doing that makes you, pushes your edge and you're trying to get better at right now? I'm trying to get better at not being so hard on myself. Sometimes because I am so self-aware, I focus on my defaults as opposed to being okay with, being okay with my strengths. Mm-hmm. I am also aware of my strengths. But um, I was at a, my graduate school orientation this weekend. Yes, she's also in graduate school, people. I just started grad school. And one of the things that my, the, um, the doctor, the, the professor talked about, which I just blew my mind, was that we don't always have to work on our weaknesses. And statistically, they showed us all of these statistics of people in business that worked on their weaknesses as opposed to their strengths. And it showed that unless it's a fatal flaw, it does not improve your performance, like Ooh. life performance, um, job performance, that it is wise to focus on growing in your strengths as opposed to trying to fix all of your weaknesses. That's where we start out. We should start outsourcing or appointing right. other people to do it yeah. or accepting certain parts of you that are just going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I've been so obsessed with working on my weaknesses. And I, I think that there's a balance there. But for me, I tend to focus on my weaknesses yeah. and it gets me very discouraged. So that's something that um, I'm really trying to grow in. That's I don't entirely know how to do other than bring it to prayer and be aware. And, and sometimes you just got to learn by trial and error. Right. I mean, sometimes you discover your your weaknesses and that it's a, it's not something you're going to work on by actually doing it and realizing not, not my talent, not my skill, not what I'm created to do for me, you know, in the book, there's a scene where the character, Steve puts a basketball hoop together backwards. Mm -hmm. That's based on my true story. Yes, I know. Uh, You know this, (laughs) but I did it. I still did it, you know? And then I put a, I put a barbecue together from scratch this, this, this weekend. So I can do some things, but it's it's not a strength, and I'm not trying to work and develop on right becoming a better better engineer exactly or putting mechanical things together. It's just not where I'm I'm meant to be. So, armed with all of this growth and this really answering the call, yes, to, to do more, to respond to who you're created to be, and to share your purpose with the world. There's this great proverb that says, the purposes of one's heart are deep waters and one with insight draws them out. Mm. The challenge for most people is they feel like the person with insight is somewhere out there. Mm. But to quote a a great saint, St. Augustine, he says, do not wander far and wide but return to yourself for deep within you dwells the truth. So what we all need to recognize and realize is that we, through the power of reflection and prayer and meditation, have the ability 
to be the insightful one Mm -hmm. and to respond to who we are created to be. And a lot of that is going to come through looking at our adversity. It's actually going to require us to get emotional Mm -hmm. and and to go to some places that have otherwise been scary and to shine a new light on them to carry it forward in the service of others so that you can help those women who otherwise would be silent with their message, who would not step in front of a camera and bring awareness to what they're doing in the world without a person like yourself, mm-hmm. right? What you, you won't know what the ripple effect is right. on a lot of that. And you have to be, we have to be okay with that. The effort is still worth the effort, despite not necessarily ever seeing its Absolutely. full fruit. And that piece there prevents people from moving forward a lot of times. Not the idea that we're not going to get immediate recognition, immediate gratification. So a great way to, to help people take action on things is to ask them, what's at stake for you? So when you think about that as it relates to everything that you're doing, to your, your, your mothering, to your being Zach's wife, to being a, an educator and mentor to these up-and-coming young people, these young minds, to being the multi-passionate, creative person that you are. When you think about what's at stake for you, what are some things that come to mind? And, and, and it, let me just kind of, while you're thinking about this, let me give you some more to think about. The story of David and Goliath. Let me ask you a question. Could David have died facing Goliath? Yes. But he did so anyway. Do you want to know why? Why? Because the risk of not facing Goliath meant that the entire Israelite legacy would have been wiped off the face of the planet. So the risk of him dying was significantly less than the risk of the entire Israelite legacy being wiped off the planet for for the future generations, right? So he knew what was at stake, mm-hmm. why it mattered, and it was real in that very in that very moment. And that's the lesson that Fidel teaches Steve: that you have, to, when you feel stuck and and not clear on what action to take, you have to ask yourself, "What's at stake? Why does it matter? And when does it become real?" And you can go anywhere you want with mm-hmm. either one of those points. I guess what's at stake for me is not fulfilling what God wants for me, which is a really big deal for me. I know we can end up on many journeys, but I want the journey that he has intended that is best for me and I want to live it to its fullest. I want to live life with passion and joy and excitement and just going all out for like the rest of my life as long as I can. Mm -hmm. Especially because I didn't do that for so many years. I just am on this mission to fully live Mm. and to fully unpack my gifts, but also ones that I didn't know that I had and how that can have an effect on other people around me, on my family. I mean, like if I, you know, don't pursue greatness as a mom what might happen to my kids? Like what choices might they make that will in turn, maybe they're not going to live their best life. Like, so I want to go all in while I can, while they're still at home and allowing me to be, you know, more influence on their life. I want to have the best life with my husband. 
like the best relationship that I can. I want to enjoy the things around us. I want to live richly on a day-to-day basis. I don't want to just save like great things for like vacation or like once a year when you can really enjoy. Like I want to enjoy the day in and day out. I want to enjoy my job. I want to enjoy work with my clients, like life around me. I don't know. I just want to live... Well, I'm going to quote my favorite, Thoreau. I want to suck the marrow of life. Ooh, I like that. I mean, that is my his whole quote, which I'd, I'll share momentarily, is kind of my life, my life motto. I mean, I just want to live deeply. I never want to look back and live a life that I have you know, kind of not even wasted. I don't think, I know I'm not going to waste my life, but haven't lived it fully. So I love transcendentalists and their work and many of the philosophies that they had. And Henry David Thoreau is my favorite. So my favorite quote that I really have clung to, especially this last year is, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach. And not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life. Living is so dear. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life. To live so sturdily and Spartan-like as to put a route to all that was not life. To cut a broad swath and shave close. To drive life into a corner and reduce it to its lowest terms. Oh, it is. I mean, that's like that. That's what's at stake for me. Wow. I want to go to put to route all that was not life to shave close. I mean, talking about like risk and discomfort, and yet such beauty and um. But there's freedom in that. Oh, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. I tell people that the two lies that we, that we tell ourselves that prevent us from realizing what we're capable of is that we don't have enough time and that we have enough time. Mm. It's yeah. that dichotomy, right? And, and so we end up doing nothing. We end mm-hmm. up consuming and just not creating. Imagine like if we just went through life eating and drinking all of the stuff that we wanted to day in and day out and never did anything to put forth all of that energy that we create, that we consumed and put it forth out back into the world. What mm-hmm. would happen to us? We'd be these gigantic beings that are incapable of doing anything and ultimately our life... It, get sucked away from us, right. right? But when we recognize that there's 168 hours in a seven-day week, and yeah, you may not have 60 hours of that to create, but you might have two. Oh, yeah. Like, don't compare yourself to the person that has 60 hours to create 
when you have two, because you can create amazing things in just two hours. And right? it's all about our intention right, too. Totally. I think that sometimes when we have less time, our intention can be so strong that we can do so much more within that time frame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things you've talked a lot about is community mm-hmm. and and connection. And, and community is the ultimate accelerant for growth. There is a great African proverb that says, if you want to go far, excuse me, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And I love that. And at the same time, our environment matters, but who we allow into our environment matters more, right? We can be in a beautiful place, but if we allow really... So the three, the three characteristics of a, of a great community are wild curiosity, Mm-hmm. an eagerness to collaborate and the ability to correct, right? So when I say fight for you, when somebody knows what's at stake for you because you just gave voice to it, right? Somebody understands what, every, what you're up to. When you begin to veer off path, path rather, they will fight for you because they'll say, Alexis, what the heck? What's at stake for you? you know, why, why are you doing fight this? This is, not, this is not what you said. This is incongruent with who you said you wanted to become. And, and as a result of that, they are also fighting for your hopes and your dreams. The first person that would fight for me is Zach, my husband. Zach has been really influential in many ways, but specifically just helping me become a person of character in the day in, day out stuff. I really feel like Zach's, not through his words, but through his own model, helped me become the hardworking person when I wasn't. Um, I didn't have those patterns and again, didn't feel confident. But he really showed me what honor, integrity, and hard work looked like. So Zach would fight for me, but in a really different way, which are usually not through his words, but through his own actions. So his model kind of gives me a benchmark and a standard. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and if he needs to call me out on something, he most definitely will. Oh, he will. Um, and I've been present. Yep. And, and it's really about basic baseline stuff, but that helps put me in check. Like, yeah, this isn't my best self or I could be doing, improve myself in this way. Can we pause there for a second? I actually want to like talk about that because that is, here's the, here's the piece about correction. Mm -hmm. That's hard for people to swallow. Nobody likes to be corrected. Uh, Right. Yes. (laughs) Nobody likes to be held accountable. But Zach is doing it out of love. And when you do it to him, hopefully you're doing it out of love for him, right? Because, you know, you both recognize that you're better than that Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, in in air quotes. And same thing for me and Lisa, right? You're better than that. Right. And to the students that you're mentoring, you're better than that. Mm -hmm. I love that you have on your wall in your classroom. The phrase, I can do hard things. Mm -hmm. The fastest way for people to remember that they're effective and that they're powerful is to do something hard. Absolutely. Physically, mentally in particular. And that's challenging. That requires their, their awareness, their attention, and their mood or energy because if they don't bring those three things together, they will destroy something or hurt themselves or whatever, right? And so I love that you're doing that because that is the process of confidence, right? 
And so when you're engaged in that process and you've told other people that you are, and then they see you veering off, Mm -hmm. like they have the responsibility. Because if you are truly wanting to do something to the glory of God, Mm -hmm. right? Ultimately, then then for you not to do that, to veer off path, to, to not respond to that, somebody needs to hold you and me and everyone accountable to that. Right. It's hard. It doesn't feel good. But when you know that they're doing it because they believe in you, they're fighting for your hopes, for your dreams, mm-hmm. it makes it just a little bit more tolerable. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, as we wrap this beautiful conversation with one of my oldest, dearest friends, mm-hmm. uh, before we get to the the final questions that I ask of every single guest. How can you surprise someone with support and encouragement? This is easy for me. Oh. The last two years specifically, I make an effort to reach out to somebody every single day. So I will send a text to one of my students that has graduated. I will write a note, a positive note to a colleague. I will say something positive to a social media friend. I Every day in my prayer time, I um, sit and I ask the Holy Spirit who I can reach out to that day. So that's something that's really, really important to me. Connection, all mm-hmm. comes back to connection. Mm-hmm. You know, checking in on somebody or like asking one of my alumni, like, you know, how their weekend was or like how are classes going or just letting them know I'm praying for them. Or, or And then it also helps me, like, especially in my work environment, to open my eyes to see goodness because I know I want to write a note to, you know, as many people as I can throughout a year. So I'm like looking for goodness and I make sure that I call it out in people. Um, I work really hard on that. Mm -hmm. I'd like to continue to work on that. So I think that that's one thing that we can do. Oftentimes we think positive things about people, but we don't stop to say it or to connect or to check in. And that's something that I think is really important in... um, hopefully meaningful and hopefully one of those things that they in turn pass on the positivity or Mm -hmm. kindness. I think especially the handwritten notes are because nobody writes handwritten notes anymore. I mean, I always, when I get handwritten notes from, from people, it's like, Oh man, I keep those. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah. I mean, they're because might be worth something at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Now. Okay. Now to the wrap up questions. The first one's easy. Okay. Where would you like people to connect with you online? Instagram. Instagram. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is your Instagram handle? It's Alexis Mesky Photography. Okay. I'm sure you're going to put the spelling in the yes. show notes. Okay. Yes. We, we, will put, we will put it in the show notes. Because nobody knows how to spell Mesky. Yes. Maybe yeah. not photography too. Nowadays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spell check. Okay. <laughs> the, first question, the first of the last three questions is if you could pick any skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what would it be? I love reading but I don't have as much time to read as I want. And it, I actually lament the fact that there's so many amazing books that I'll never get to read. And I wish I could speed read. And I don't mean the kind of speed read that people say they do. I mean, like, I wish I could hold all the gems in a book within like one second and just read furiously like that. Mm, that would be freaking amazing. Right? <laughs> and I'd be so enlightened and intelligent and excited all the time. Right now, I am reading. Brunelleschi's Dome. Mm. Are, are you familiar with that? I I know the so, name, but I don't know that one. So it's it's the dome in Florence, right? It's, it's oh yeah yeah yeah. So it was built built by uh, Filippo Brunelleschi, who was not an architect. He was a goldsmith. Mm. It's a fascinating story. And when 
when you develop that superpower of yes. reading multiple books You'll at a time. You'll pass that one along? I'll pass that okay, one along. Okay, yeah. Okay. Next question. What are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from realizing what we are capable of becoming? This is too hard. Somebody else can do this. I'm not good enough. Which one do you struggle with most on a daily basis or a more more frequent basis? Maybe I'm not good enough to do this. Yeah, definitely that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Specifically with photography? Or, um, or just everything. T- anything. Okay. I'm not. No, definitely everything. Like I'm not qualified enough. I don't. I don't have my doctorate. Right. I don't. I've only been teaching for six years. Yeah. I don't have the fanciest camera on the block. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Definitely that. I'm proud of you for kicking that lie in the face. Thank you. I try. It's Last hard. question. It's a hundred years from now, and we're gonna we're gonna stick with photography. Okay. okay? So it's a hundred years from now. You've Lived longer than Grandma Marge Albright did. Okay. So that would be... So I, I'm still alive. You're 139 years old. Okay. And you're leaving a set of instructions for a photographer to, cut, to create a piece, a, a curated piece that answers the question, how will you measure your life? What instructions or what kind of a consultation would you want to have with that photographer? It's going to be a redwood tree. And it's going to be that redwood tree. That big fat one right there? The big fat one that has all the twists and turns, like a female body. Mm. And that tree has wide roots. It's probably very old. It has twists and turns because it's taken many different courses in life. And it struggled to find the light in many times. It would move one way to try to find it. And then it would move another way to try to find it. And then finally, it found its path and it went straight towards the sun. And it has skin that it shed. It has challenges on it and and burned marks and all these things. But it has a ton of new growth. It is strong in storms. It barely moves in storms. It has soft needles on its limbs. It houses wildlife of various kinds, its shade, its protection, its care, and it's constantly moving upwards towards the light. Oh man, I got chills. Like I've never had chills before on that answer. That's my photograph. Alexis, you're one of my oldest friends. I love you deeply. I love you too. And I'm so grateful to have shared this moment with you. Thank you. I'm grateful too. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.